So I want to take you back, back into my early 20s, when I really felt like I understood what it was to be a Generation Xer, because I felt like rebelling, and I did rebel in like weird ways, I guess, according to the rest of my regeneration, but I liked fighting back against things. I liked being against stuff. I like doing things my own way, uh, not listening to the rules, right? Rules were made to be broken were kind of the, one of the things that I thought about. And that's a big part of me, Rowdy, your podcast host's view on the world, because I am part of Generation X specifically. And what we're going to do is talk about anti-ageism specifically today, looking at Generation X. Again, Generation X, one of the smaller generations, not really huge, but one of the folks that are starting to move into positions of authority right now. And so coming to understand Generation X is going to be a big way that we come to understand Generation Z, which is going to be coming into the workforce very, very soon. Uh, I've been fascinated with Generation X and Generation Z. Faster is a Generation X because I am one. Now, we're not a huge group, right? We are only 19.8% of the generation right now. Uh, we've been called Generation X, Gen X, Baby Bust, Busters, and Slackers. We were born between 1965 and 1980. I was born in 1975 specifically, and so that's part of me and my experience. Our teen years were in the 80s and 90s, and I can definitely tell you my teen years were in the 80s as well as 90s. Some of the things that really shaped our experiences were double-digit inflation that happened through 1979 through 1981, the Iran hostage crisis, 1979, the Sony Walkman, because that was the first time we can, you could just listen to music by yourself, just for you. You could tune the world out, in a way, and the Sony Walkman was the beginning of that. Uh, AIDS affected us, MTV affected us, uh, household borrowing grows twice as fast as income happened in the mid 80s. And so you can see the effect on us and our sense of optimism and that we have tons of debt. The space shuttle, sp shuttle Challenger exploded in 1986 and we all watched that on television happening at the same time. We saw the Berlin Wall get torn down in 1989, and our first experience with war was in 1991 with the Gulf War specifically. What makes our generation unique? These are the top five responses we said, is our use of technology. We were the first people to really migrate toward technology. Uh, we were the first generation that had that happen as we were growing up. We put work ethic. Uh, we had work ethic because we had to do stuff on our own a lot. We're conservative or traditional, 7%. I don't know about that. I can't really connect with that. Uh, smarter. I don't know if we're smarter or not. Uh, we're more respectful. I don't know if we're more respectful or if we were just like made to pay our dues a little bit more. And then how do we see ourselves at work? We see ourselves as confident, competent, willing to take responsibility, and willing to put in the extra time to wrap up a job. We also see ourselves as ethical in that we have to be really real about stuff. Real is going to be a big thing that you hear with Generation X specifically. So one of the things that shaped Generation X was video games. We grew up young with Atari, and then we were really shaped by the Nintendo Entertainment System specifically. We are used to games like Donkey Kong, where life gets harder 
the more you have to do, right? So we're used to kind of this idea of progressive overload because as we got older and older, unlike our previous generation with the baby boomers, we had to adapt to things. Things weren't like necessarily more optimistic. Things weren't necessarily a lot better in the way that we looked at things. Also, we had to learn how to adapt to new machines, new technology. And so we started with Atari with just 8-bit graphics, and then we moved up to 64 graphics with the Nintendo Entertainment System. I don't know if that's 8-bit or 64. I don't know if enough about technology, but we had to adapt to new games, new technology, new systems, new things as we grew up. And so we understand that things get pro progressively harder in life. So we had to handle new equipment, new levels. We might die hundreds and hundreds of times, but we had to learn patience, concentration, and maybe a little bit of caffeine can get you where you're hoping to go. So Donkey Kong symbolizes the unrelenting challenges that Generation X had to overcome, as well as the, test, the technological tools that we had to use to do that things with them. Some of the things that really affected us is understanding that the world was fresh out of pixie dust, divorce, uh, us being latchkey kids, meaning that we had to come home, open the door and start doing homework and things like that on our own. Multiple recessions happened during our generation. Global competition gave rise to some of the things that we saw. Uh, children missing on and seeing those ch missing children on milk cartons was one of the stories that really affected us. We had to learn to roll with bad news and find ways to land on our feet. Just like in Donkey Kong, right? Because over and over, we would fall and land off the side of the cliff. We learned how to hedge our bets a little bit. We learned to collect coins and have backup plans. We learned that if you excelled, there was at times the opportunity for bonus levels. We understood as uh, life for Generation Xers was so similar for them because they understood that surprises would get thrown at them and life was many, many times beyond our control. So Generation X, got used to hedging their bets. We found new families with our friends. We had to constantly be learning and find ways to rewire our lives specifically. We cautiously enjoy things today rather than betting on an idealized future, which could, but probably wouldn't happen in the future. We got used to relocating seven to 10 times in 10 years. Boomers had the same house the whole time they grew up. Maybe their parents retired in the home that they bought when they grew up. We had to move a lot uh, because the world was changing. And I remember specifically places where we got kicked out and we had to move out, maybe in the middle of the night or only having two or three days to pack because we were getting evicted. That also meant at work, instead of coming in early and staying late to prove ourselves, we pushed organizations to install technology that could help us get work done faster and so we can get on with the rest of our lives. We didn't want to have to pay dues because we've been paying dues the entire time. Being a latchkey kid, like leveling up, uh, that idea of like life as a role-playing game and we have to level up is something that we experienced. Instead of jumping into home ownership, uh, a lot of us had the opportunity to travel. I can't say that I had the opportunity for that specifically. And instead of growing up with conspicuous consumption, we chose like a more simple like grunge look or wore khakis to work. Khakis. Those are so nuts, man. Good old khakis. So Generation X saw that living with life's never-ended challenges made this generation a little bit more cynical and definitely a lot more whiny. I remember in the early 80s hating grunge music because it seemed so self-focused and whiny. And I grew up in like um, 
neighborhoods where people are really struggling, right? So I'm seeing like these middle-aged kids like whining about like existentialism and I'm like, what is your problem, guys? One of the first signs that Generation X saw the world differently from traditionalists and baby boomers happened when they didn't know what to call the generation specifically. Douglas Copeland in his first book about Generation X, Tales for an Accelerated Culture, described this generation as disengaged, pessimistic, but well-educated, who neither had to struggle to find a good job in their field or to find the good life that the boomers had. Generation X was seen as much more of a harsh name and something that I think that was probably more put on us, but then we kind of rose to wear it as a sense of badge of honor. Generation X had to live in a world where there only seemed to be a shrinking pie, where traditionalists who led organizations believed if we all pulled together and we worked harder, we'd all win. Neither generation understood that Generation X did not want to dedicate themselves to a game. They knew that they didn't have to play and they knew they didn't had no chance to win. Because Generation X didn't play the way boomers did, the older generations called them slackers for the first 10 years in the workplace. As a result, no generation ever feels as misunderstood as Generation X. Most people still see us as slackers specifically, most see us as not willing to put in the work, or as wanting to work by ourselves all the time and not willing to do the kumbaya, get together, and all uh, get together for the good of the organization. A lot of folks in Generation X feel misunderstood because they never saw themselves as whiny slackers, but more so as open-eyed realists. They've always wondered if the traditionals or boomers understand the difference. We grew up with Donkey Kong, not the wonderful world of Disney, so it made no sense to keep the older generation's high expectations if the world had not changed. One of the folks that said to help us understand that stuff uh, as far as the generation experience was journalist Piper Lowell. It's not that we're whiny, we're cynical, we're isolated. I for one had a hard time trusting in anything. Love is forever. My parents divorced at four. Uncle Sam is your friend. If you're an American, maybe, but sometimes not even then because structural racism and classism. Technology will solve all your problems. Uh, just turn off the t TV, dear, and take your Prozac. We were the first generation to get medicated for our inability to pay attention. And Nuxin is not a crook. So you wonder why we're cynical. We wonder why we're jaded. Like, that's the world we grew up in, specifically. Xers epitomized everything that was accelerating the world's decline. That was a misperception. Generation X is not slackers. They were seeing the world and rewiring the world they inherited with new technology as well as new expectations. So understanding this, you have to understand Generation S see themselves as realists. The most commonly heard phrase with Generation X is get real or the ever so dismissive whatever. We didn't believe in happy endings. Uh, we weren't overly sentimental. The entertainment industry began to pick up on this change in thinking. And this stuff also popped up in movies, music, as well as TV shows. While boomers wanted to fix society so it was fair, Xers learned life isn't fair so we made fun of it. We watched shows like The Simpsons and created a new way to get the news with The Daily Show and The Colbert Report. 
Generation X loves parody and satire, so they can find ways to rewire the world to make it deal with the new challenges they see as their experience. This had a powerful effect. As this generation was forced to get real, they became less confident in institutions. If Generation X is about lowered expectations and tongue-in-cheek comedy, as well as pervasive technology, everyone's had to adapt to the world in the same way that Generation X has. So some of the stories that really affect Generation X. First, it's being squished. Generation X are 25% smaller than the huge generation of the boomers that preceded them and the millennials that followed them. Generation X experiences this feeling of being squished in that marketers pay more attention to these other generations and we have less political clout to ask for the things that we need. So we a lot like Generation X can quite often feel misrepresented or mischaracterized or not listened to at all. Being squished means that Generation X also forget about working their way up through organization quickly because Generation X got stuck behind the boomers who wanted to stay in their roles forever. And so understanding this stuff made a really big difference because Generation X was not able to climb the socioeconomic ladder in the same rate that baby boomers did. And even if they did become middle managers, the Great Recession of 2008 killed many of Generation X 401ks and made it so boomers who wanted to head out the door had to stay another decade back because they needed to wait till traditional retirement at 65. That meant for Generation X there was fewer promotions. That means Generation X doesn't lead a lot of organizations they would go from one organization to another in order to have an opportunity to move because they knew unless they hopped from place to place they wouldn't get to a place where they'd really have a new opportunity to do a new thing because of this gray ceiling which was created by baby boomers specifically so as a result many generation xers feel like england's prince charles spending much of their careers waiting for their long living bosses to move on so again when we look at generation x they were supposed to be big, but not squished. The post-World War II baby boom of the traditionalists lasted 20 years, which is longer than anyone expected, but when boomers came to childbearing age themselves, there was no baby boom of their own. This is because they were exploring themselves, they were looking at themselves, they were trying to reach self-actualization. Where traditionalists focused on their baby boomer children, boomers did not do the same with their Generation X children. Over a million Americans a year put themselves through surgical sterilization in the 1970s. Simply put, children were no longer seen as the best weight of happiness. One survey found that many baby boomers had listed automobiles in front of children as the things that would make people happy. So while baby boomer children told pollsters they wanted the same number of children as their parents, it wasn't really bearing out with actual statistics. Boomer women didn't want their mother's families, and they didn't want their mother's limitations. Now children were seen as a threat to fulfilling one's dreams, which is a sentiment which was mirrored in movies like Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, and Omen. Children were seen as a threat, a threat to their parents specifically for the first time ever. So generations were squashed by virtue of being smaller than the other generations on either side, and they were smaller and less wanted than the baby boomers were. Is it any wonder that Generation X is much more individualistic and pragmatic? They were wanted less than the generation that preceded them as well, the Millennials. As time and Millennials have gone on, we see a flipped 
in ways that we look at movies specifically, right? When we look at Three Men and a Baby or the Baby Boom, like this adorable young children idea starts happening in the early to late 90s specifically that makes this idea of children specifically a lot different. If you take shots every time I say specifically, you are probably so drunk right now. Specifically like right now. Another story that has shaped the Generation X experience is divorce. The steep rises in divorce made it so Generation X grew up in the midst of unprecedented changes in the family structure, and society had not yet evolved to deal with these changes at that time. The first half Generation X watched divorce become commonplace. Uh, between 1960 and 1982, the rate of divorce nearly tripled and then leveled off. That meant that the percent of Generation Xers who grew up without both parents, this is 29%, doubled from that of their boomer parents who were at 15%, and even more than that with traditionalists who only 13% of those folks saw the divorce. Even with a lower divorce rate, 38% of their millennial said that their parents weren't married. So you see kind of how these numbers like bear out. The ghost of the divorce impacted Generation X more than any other generation. Because they now have become used to 50% divorce rates, children no longer feel like their parents aren't normal if they only have one single parent. They're used to society to being somewhat late in adapting and creating systems like childcare as well as after school programs. Currently, we're far too scared of child predators to place a key around a latchkey kid's neck so they can get into the house and get everything going before mom goes home from work. That stuff didn't exist when I was a kid. We just had to go home and figure it out because the world wasn't built for us and didn't seem to want us in the same way. In contrast, if Xers lived through a skyrocketing divorce rate, then it felt like something was going wrong. TV reinforced these ideas with the stuff that they saw on television specifically. When there was a divorce, the dad left with the good car and mom was left with having to have two jobs and figuring it out. Sometimes dad wouldn't pay his child support. And so we were growing up in a space where we couldn't really learn to count on things. And those were people that were in authority didn't help us see that uh, other people would fill the gap because when the gap got filled, we got too old to use those things in those ways specifically. Divorce also meant that entire generation grew up with far more diversity and need to learn to adjust. At mom's house, there was one set of rules, and at dad's, there was another. We didn't get to pick sides, because both sides had their points. We also had to learn to deal with things in ways that other generations hadn't expected. So we were the first generation to have to really deal with the fact that we had to sit people in different areas because people didn't really get along. We were also the first generation to really see friends as family. And so when the boss asked us to stay late and we said, sorry, we can't because we're going to have dinner with a friend, they didn't understand that friend was really family to us because family didn't mean the same thing as it did to them. Some Generation Xers did have both parents. However, the dramatic increase in divorce impacted all Generation Xers. Even if your parents didn't split up, it's part of what affected your peers and co-peers. And given that this teenager stuff was happening to Generation X as well, this is one of those things that made had a really dynamic effect on folks. So understanding the spike in divorces helps us understand why the work ethic has always been a sticking point with Generation X. Just as boomers reacted to the put your di children first attitude of traditionalists, Xers reacted to the easy divorce by focusing on families and friends outside of work. 
We had to live first and work second because work wasn't guaranteed to pay off in the same way. Parents spent more time with their children today than they ever did back in the 1950s. That's why Generation X fathers are pushing for much more of a work-life balance, so they too can spend time with their children. Xers want greater family for stability, and they want to give that to their children uh, because they never had that stuff themselves. A next story that really affected Generation X is downward mobility. In the 1994 hit reality Bites, Renona Ryder's character, who had been a college valid Victorian but now can't find a decent job, says to her friends, I don't have a lawyer. I don't have a dentist. I make $400 a week. Welcome to the downward mobility that ushered in the first generation Xers into adulthood. The confidence in the economy that inspired traditionalists and baby boomers went bust for the Xers, and instead it was now clear that there was a new reality. Lifetime employment and job security was history. Generation X missed the magical economic growth that had made boomers so optimistic. They grew up in a world where inflation rose at an incredible rate and it made it harder to buy homes. In 1973, the U.S. economy was going slower than it had in years and it was nearly stagnant in terms of standard of living, which was only increasing by 10%. In the 1970s and 80s, saw an area of like huge inflation and high interest rates, which gave a sense of optimism and less of a booming economy. Generation X missed this growth of the economy began to rise just in time for the growth of prices specifically. So many Generation Xers did not buy homes until they were in their 30s because of this. This also pushed rent prices up 28% for this generation in particular. So again, when you look at cynicalness and stuff like that, it makes a lot of sense that this generation's much more cynical. Generation X saw college expenses double, then quadruple, while grants and aids were slashed. Student loans doubled between 77 and 90 when Xers went to college. Caught in the aftermath of the 1990 recession, more than 40% of the class of 1990 had neither no job or one that did not require a college degree. Xers began their adult lives with unprecedented personal debt. They missed heavy college subsidies and the boom years of the economy and arrived just in time for credit cards to cover the higher costs. The shift in economic optimism and pessimism made generational sticking points much more inevitable in the workplace. Generation X did not how, know how long they would be working at some of the places they started in and watched the increasing global competition force. Companies could no longer promise lifetime employment and had to deal with this new agreement with workforces. Some of the things that Generation X has said in response to this economy have been my boss has a career. I have a job. My parents put off enjoying life until they achieved their dreams. But where did it get them? Companies don't even last 50 years anymore. I love to stay at one place my entire career, but that's not realistic. If my company gets sold or we get hit with another reception, I may not have a job. It makes no sense but 13 hour days and relocate seven times when the company won't think twice about laying me off. I don't go to work to find meaning or significance. I don't want to sign my main to another mission statement brought back by some executive retreat in the mountains somewhere. It's just the job. I do it well and then I go home to what's more important. Why does the old generation make it so we have to believe in something bigger than that? 
Again, this made a really big difference for this generation. The point is that Generation X has always wanted to succeed. The Center for Work-Life Policy found three out of four Generation Xers consider themselves still ambitious. Even more, 31% of Generation Xers have jobs that make $75,000 a year or have an extreme job that demands more than 60-hour work weeks, short deadlines, or has the need for 24F7 access. 28% work an average of 10 hours or more per week just like they did three years ago. So again, when we're looking at Generation X, they're not protesters, they're not slackers. They had to decide how they would handle the new expectation, unlike their parents did, and what they were gonna do with this new deal. One of the other things that made a big difference for Generation X was parody. Parody creates a poor imitation of something else in order to make light of it to expose its perceived flaws. Both the access for information creates the opportunity for piracy, as well as a sense of skepticism, and the Generation X has those in both. They got a downsized American dream, divorced parents, a new deal at work, and a computer in which they can actually check facts. Generation X are computer and internet natives, and this gave them access to see what was going on behind the scenes in the world, or to see if it was really pretty serious or not. And this was in stark contrast to a generation that got used to hearing when Walter Cronkite said, and that's the way it was. Generation X was the first generation to question the, or to verify the backstory behind the news on their computers. So Generation X also knew the news could be shaded towards someone's perspective specifically. Generation X learned that you can't believe everything you were told, and so they wanted those in authority to really honestly get real. Uh, marketers learned to put their tongue in cheek and make fun of themselves in order to market to this generation specifically. Generation X has always been skeptical of organizations. At work, they trust their managers, but they wonder about their companies. Furthermore, Generation X will come into their conferences only if they're relevant. If Generation X isn't interested in traditional membership, they don't join in committees, and they definitely don't do so as enthusiastically as traditionalists or boomers did, because they don't believe those opportunities are gonna create change. Generation X skepticism is seen in parodies in the long-running cartoon shows The Simpsons and South Park. You also see this attitude reflected in the comedians Ben Carlin as well as Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert in The Daily Show and The Colbert Report. The biggest mistake people make is thinking that John and Steven sit before every show and say, okay, how are we gonna change our world? Really, more of what they're doing is how are we gonna get a laugh? This age of parody shows this underlying skepticism of this generation. Now, as Generation X gets to middle age, they're starting to send their kids off to college. They're trying to survive, and they're keeping their noses to the smartphone screen and trying to navigate a much more volatile global economy. All things I've learned today about how to lead people more effectively make complete sense, but we run into a lot of resistance from baby boober partners who are old school and really want things they're done their way. They don't manage millennials who really hate the old school approach, and Generation X is caught between the middle trying to explain the differences between boomers and millennials and are really stuck in that feeling of stuckness or uh, overlookedness is making a really big difference. 
Generation X is the most misunderstood and potentially invisible of the generations, but organizations can't overlook them because middle-aged Xers will be the leaders of organizations and the ones they desperately need in the next 20 years. They're going to have the experience as well as institutional knowledge necessary to be incredibly effective. They will have the specialized technical skills needed to compete, and they will be the leaders of our organizations as well as our nation and whatever's next. In the meantime, despite remaining squished between two massive generations, juggling family and jobs in a downward economy, Generation X still retains their sense of humor. They still want organizations to not spin stuff to get real, and they're gonna lampoon the way that they see it, the world in the way they see it rewired for the dental the digital revolution remember donkey kong is what explains this generation most and best and so understanding the values um, of generation x they really value reality they want to know what they're dealing with what they're having to be up against so they can really be ready for it they don't mind things being hard because they know life's hard and so please when you're talking to generation x be real and be honest and keep your tongue in your cheek so you can uh leverage that sense of humor and get them on board specifically they're very self-reliant they have the ability to get things done on their own uh, they know that the world might be harder than they expected it to be and so leverage that when you're working with them because they're used to this fact being true they're also gonna have a hard time being incredibly optimistic because they haven't seen the world be optimistic for them. And when the world has been optimistic, it made the changes after they left. So understand, optimism is something that's hard for Generation X to do specifically. You're gonna need to be real about them about the ways that they're gonna need to follow and manage things in order for the future so they can get to those high earning years in the late 40s, early 50s so they have the ability to retire. Also. Government's going to need to change the way they approach retirement because uh, we're pulling, you know, it's not certain that Social Security will be there. And we need to have something sustainable and real for Generation X when they do finally leave the workforce specifically. There needs to be an understanding that um, the optimism around love and family isn't going to be in the same way. And they are going to try to give Generation Z the things that they lacked in their day when they were younger. And so they're going to be a lot more engaged in their kids' lives, but they're also going to be a lot less placating. Generation X doesn't like the idea of a participation award because there was no participation award in Donkey Kong. If you didn't learn how to navigate the challenges of the new level, you wouldn't level up, you wouldn't get better. And so we're going to see a generation that's a lot harder on their, on their kids, Generation Z, and probably a little bit more realistic about the challenges they experience because of the fact that they're getting the things they didn't want. Also remember, like the fact that the world changed when Generation X was children means that the world changed while they were there. We were the last generation to really have to navigate being home alone, cooking dinner by ourselves, doing our own homework, or trying to find the answer to our own problems. Uh, it's something that was unique to our experience. We might be the last generation to truly play outside uh, by ourselves and have a go-home time of when it's dark or be in charge of making sure our homework gets done because we were the folks that had to figure those things out. So understanding those values and those drivers are going to make a really big difference in how we connect to Generation X. They're not slackers. They just need to know that when they put in effort, they're going to see a real result for those things. 
and uh, they're more than willing to laugh and play with you, but they got to see that you're real with them about the way they see and understand the world. So again, with Generation X, it's really important to understand uh, their role and what's important to them, and that the world has been a very specific way for them. So today, what we talked about were Generation X, some characteristics, uh, how big they are, uh, what ages they were, and what were some of the big things that affected them. We examined the stories they were told when they were younger, uh, how did the stories affect their generation or shape their experience of the world, and then we kind of looked at the values that would come about after those uh, major stories affected them. So what values would they walk away with? What are those things that matter most to them? And how do you leverage those values? Remember, when we're talking about anti-ageism, we can't change people's values. We have to learn to speak to their values in ways that help us come together for the common good for all. So keeping that stuff in mind is going to be very, very important specifically. So again, as far as activism, uh, I haven't been able to do anything new because I recorded this the same day I recorded the Baby Boomer episode, and so nothing new on activism. So you'll have to hear about that with our next episode, which is going to be on millennials. Um, nothing new with activism specifically. Uh, Self-care, I'm hoping, I'm planning this next week goes well. This next week is going to be my first week of classes, and so I'm going to be navigating a really like big gapped schedule uh, in spring semester, but I'm hoping I'll be able to leverage those gaps to get to the gym regularly, to do my cardio regularly. I got a little bit later start times because I believe I only have one 8.30 class that happens two times over the course of the week. So uh, hopefully I can still get up and make sure I get my meditation in. Um, I'm thinking about buying uh, access to an app called Waking Up, which will be my recommendation of the podcast. Waking Up is an app that gives you some guided meditation that helps you again with that non-reactivity. So you have a sense of uh, having that pause before you react to something. Uh, remember, non-reactivity is our year, word of the year. And so we're going to make sure that we're practicing non-reactivity too. And so waking up is going to be something that I use. It's uh, from Sam Harris. He considers himself an atheist. And though I do believe in higher power, I think it's something that could be helpful uh, no matter what your religious affiliation is specifically. Bam! Another specifically. You must be so drunk. So drunk, you drunky drunker. Uh, I'm going to be, after this podcast is done, I'm going to be putting my vitamins together. So I'm planning on taking all those and making sure I get all those things in. We have really good, solid, clean dinners planned for the week. Also, when I'm done with this and I get my vitamins together, I'm going to be making some chili for Monday. And uh, we got some salmon, some chicken breasts. Uh, so, uh, And then we're going to have some beef stew on... Uh, I think Tuesday night. So we're going to be eating pretty good. I'm looking forward to that. So I should be eating pretty clean over the course of the next week. Going to get all my supplements in. I'm going to make sure that I get Bubba's run and that we continue the training with him because as he learns how to be a better person, I learn how to be a better trainer and I learn how to follow through on stuff a little bit more. I'm hoping one day to foster and adopt children. And if I don't get, a get good at training, I don't know what life is going to look like for me. Oh, other things that are going to be coming in the activism world for me specifically soon. Boom, another chance to drink. Gosh, you were so hammered. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at a leadership conference for some athletes up in Prescott. And so that's going to be really great. And then I'm hoping to do a generational speech for Mortensen, but we'll see if that pans out or not. I got to call them in another two weeks to see if we get that gig or not. And this is a great way for me to give you some of the information that I'm getting as I pair up and get ready for that speech for uh, Mortensen Construction Company, you benefit from my opportunity to learn. And that's really what this podcast is about. 
uh, I take the time to learn things and then find ways to disseminate this information to you. And then I hope you find a way to use this information to become a better person. Again, we're doing these things so we can help, so we can advocate for one another, so we can come together, so we can really practice the idea that we is greater than me. And so if you have any thoughts about that, please get a hold of me at 860-576-9393. That's voicemail, that's text, that's 860-576-9393. Or you can email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. Again, the podcast is going really well, and I'm hoping to have Sarah on in mid-February so we can celebrate the three-year anniversary of this podcast. Pretty bananas, isn't it? Three years. I had no idea I was going to do this for like six weeks. I mean, I made a commitment to do it three years. Uh, but I think Sarah and I will actually have the conversation about whether we want to continue or not at that third year. So if you get a lot of value about this, maybe email us at inclusiveactivism at cox.net or send those voicemails at 860-576-9393 so we know that you value things. Because right now, um, there's downloads and there's proof that people are listening to it, but we're not hearing a lot of evidence of those things. That being said, if you are curious about more about me with this organization, what we do, how you can support our mission, how you can get involved in the service that we do, you can head on over to www.inclusiveactivism.com learn more about me. I'm going to make Sarah put something up on that website in the very near future, as well as a professional headset. So as you're editing this, Sarah, get ready for those things because we really need to do it. It's past time. And uh, with that, look out for one another. Find the opportunity to make a difference for somebody else and learn how to become your best self because that's really what it's all about. I hope you have a great day and I'll check in with you in another couple weeks.